So this is my dog. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of my podcast, Tom Sips Into Conversation. This week on the episode, I have Maddie from the Posh Pet Kitchen. Uh, today, I am on a little dog walk with Joy and Mocha. It's a bank holiday Monday, so uh, and it's absolutely lovely. It's so hot today right now, it's really, really nice. Uh, we recorded this conversation uh, the 3rd of February here, which is the day before my birthday. So we're walking because there's a, a few people around. So um, yeah, we're in a, on a lovely little walk. Uh, and there's some like a little wooded area near our house. Kind of fittingly speaking to Maddie who owns the Posh Pet Kitchen um, and she makes amazing uh, bespoke dog food and dog treats. This is coming out the same week as we've had Mocha for a whole year. So she's now, what, a year and two months? Yeah. In this conversation, we talk about how she started up her own business, how she wants to have a really transparent uh, dog food business, um, a bit like how human food is starting to become a lot more transparent. Uh, she talks about a website uh, that you can go and check out to check out different uh, dog food and the nutritional value um, scales from 100, which is really, really good and surprising sometimes. We talk about tips on feeding your dog um, and how important it is to have a routine. And we also talk a bit about how she got her own dog. Uh, we also have a bit of a conversation between getting a puppy and also getting a dog, uh, a rescue dog as well. So I'll be back in the middle with uh, a little update from Maddie herself, uh, and then I'll be back at the end with just a little bit more chat. Uh, but for now, uh, we sip into the conversation with me asking uh, how she got into making dog biscuits. Really, I've always wanted my own business. And um, really, to be honest, I saw a bit of a gap in the market for a product that I'm still working on. Um, so, and it involved getting, it involved making my own basically dog, a dog treat company. Um, so I started looking into making your own dog treats and all the things that you have to have to make, because obviously making them is one thing and it's quite hard making them and making sure that they kind of are things like think being grain free and stuff like that obviously making with like wholemeal wholemeal flour and stuff is the easiest way to go but it doesn't mean things are grain free and obviously there's a big fad in the or not a fad but in the dog industry a lot of people want grain free food now so wanting to make them in the right way as far as a business ethos but then also um from a business perspective there's so much more involved that you just wouldn't even believe so um I started looking into that and um, basically, yeah, it took me about a year of development from first coming up with the idea and I got some funding from the government, um, so from the government loan scheme. And um, yeah, it took me about a year in development of going through because you have to get a DEFRA license, even if you're just baking in your own kitchen, you have to get loads of different licenses for all sorts of stuff. Um, and then coming up with all of the products and doing everything properly in a bit of a timeline of the business and obviously having a small business. There's, when it comes to dog treats, there's the licensing side of things is quite a big barrier to entry for people because of the cost of it. So there is quite a lot of people who are making dog treats from home and selling them without a license, which is one of those things where like, probably a bit naively people just think oh I'll just make them and then I'll just sell them to my friends and then they set up an Instagram and they don't really research it which it's one of those things like it's it's kind of like oh you're not this big criminal but equally it's not legal to do that so when you do do it properly there's a huge amount of expense with every single product line that you bring out in terms of lab testing and that sort of thing um 
so yeah, I basically just um, researched everything and Kate obviously came into making the business. And then the other thing as well is, was one of my big things was, I feel like in the dog industry, um, or in the pet food industry, there isn't very much transparency. And this is something that I'm really, really passionate about is that you can't, you should be able to walk into a pet shop and know what the best food is for your dog. But the reality is that you can't because you look at all the fancy marketing and quite often the best looking brands are quite often the least nutritionally valuable to your pet and vice versa. So I think um, one of the things that I wanted to create with the business is also to create a, a platform for people to be able to basically learn how to navigate it because it should be transparent and it isn't. Um, and there were some things that I found out kind of in my lead up to setting the business up because um, I've worked with dogs since I was like 13, so I'm very interested in it. Um, and like some, there's a, there's a very, very big brand of dog food, which obviously I'm not going to name, but... Um, a very big brand of dog food that I found out put a preservative in their food that is known to cause cancer in dogs when fed over a long period of time. Wow. Which is how that is legal, I don't know. But then you look into the trading standards kind of laws behind what you can put into products. And obviously this is so, comp it's the same with human food and everything, but basically it says that pet foods contains, can contain substances that don't cause harm within three months of feeding. So obviously wow. it doesn't, it's just something that if you feed your dog it for eight years, then, then and it's, it's, I was so baffled by that, that I just thought that somebody needs to, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do really is to try and create a platform to educate people on so much different stuff. Cause there's, there's, that is like such like the tip of the iceberg with where the problems are, because you've obviously got all, there's got, you've got the raw feeding versus kibble debate. And then you've got, this kibble verse this kibble debate and there's so much and for somebody who doesn't know about it it's just so hard to navigate it and you can't expect everyone to be an expert um yeah. so yeah that was really that's where I want it to go and that's kind of where I'm hoping that we can create more of a not so much a business obviously we have a business and we create dog cakes and exciting treats and everything but I also want to create this this community where people can basically know who to trust and who not to trust that's amazing yeah i mean we i mean my my girlfriend's uh, had a dog before um back in germany um but yeah i think there is a growing trend of like nowadays people want to know what's in their food and they're more interested in having homemade food and that transparency is definitely coming into human food a lot more and yeah. it's starting to like come into dog food a bit more because i mean people care about their pets sometimes more than they do about their kids i think so yeah it's yeah, I, I completely, I mean, sure. ha hands up, I was one of those people that, I mean, I started making treats and I've have sold some to friends and stuff, but um, I think it's like, I've, I've done my re research on my dog and I've got books and stuff about my dog. And I think every dog is a little bit different. And like, I did a little bit of research. I didn't realize there was so many like um, forms and stuff and things I didn't, I didn't realize it was quite as complicated as human food because i i did have a cafe a few years ago so i know mm -hmm. like the human food kind of regulations and all the red tape and stuff you have to go through that but um yeah i mean it is, it is important that you know where kind of your food's coming from which is yeah, why i started making dog food but yeah yeah exactly and i think 
one of the big things that I always say is like, obviously, as you were just saying then, that people care about their dogs more than their children quite often. And that is true. Like the dog is the next child in line, basically, in most families. And the thing is, is that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, dogs weren't seen like that in families. And that was fine. And your dog was your dog and you just fed your dog what you fed your dog and and there is some people who still have that you know have that attitude today which is fine and if you if you're kind of feeding your dog the cheapest dog food because you don't really care that's not where the problem lies for me the problem lies where you have this dog that you is your absolute baby and you walk into a pet shop like a big well-known pet shop and you look on the shelves and you see some packaging which just looks absolutely amazing and you think I'm going to buy that for my dog because I want my dog to have the best Mm. when actually and that's the thing where I just think it's very deceitful and obviously that's a really powerful word like deceit but I just do think that that is how it is and um you know there's there's a big thing um one big thing that I've noticed more recently was a lot because obviously natural and like 100% meat treats and stuff like that I like kind of what everybody's wanting to buy because they don't want anything to be you know have any fillers and that sort of thing mm. so what I'm finding now is that companies are putting um, made with 100% meat or whatever on their packaging. So like uh, uh, somebody walks into a pet shop, sees made with 100% chicken. You think, oh, it's 100% chicken, but it's not. It was made with 100% chicken. So 4% yeah, the- of it might be chicken. Yeah. But to, to anyone who doesn't know that, especially if the food is made to look like meat, which often it is, um and I just think that's just so so bad but yeah so that's kind of yeah I just think that when when you just are feeding your dog the sheep stuff because you don't care then it's fine but obviously for the people who are trying to do best by the dog that's where I just think that it's not on yeah and what brands would you kind of recommend then rather well, than yeah we won't, we won't diss any brands but what rec- what brands generally speaking because obviously it kind of depends on your dog but what brands would you yeah it's definitely to do with feeding the dog in front of you and I think um you also have to take into account how old your dog is and what you fed it its whole life so we talk about in the industry we talk about 80 20 kibble which is like extremely high protein kibble which is essentially like your raw food version of your kibble so it's just got it's 80 percent meat and 20 percent vegetables and we talk about that, but but if you've been feeding your dog something that has contained 4% chicken its whole life and it's now 10, if you switch it onto an 80-20 kibble, the richness of that is going to upset it a lot. So you have to kind of go through the motions of building it up if you've had a dog that hasn't been fed maybe the best quality food. Um, however, with that said, um, you've got – there's so many brands, like, to even name a few. So you've got um, – from so I feed my dog um she has butternut box which is a fantastic brand and I've that it's basically cooked it's like home cooked food but obviously it's designed with a a nutritionist and everything and it comes frozen and it's great and obviously for people who don't like raw the raw meat as well it's great because it's cooked um and since being on that she's changed completely she's quite a yeasty shih tzu um and she her coat is beautiful so they're a really good brand but then you've got like fourth glade is really good in terms of kibbles you've got origin is a really good kibble there's there's loads but one website that i would recommend everybody have a look at is called allaboutdogfood.co.uk and it's written by an independent nutritionist and he basically rates foods um out of 100 percent 
So if you go on there, it's quite shocking sometimes when people go on there and they go on and they see that the food they've been feeding their dog scores like 30% or something like that. But um, if you go on there, you can see. And then as well, if like you, like I say, you've been feeding dog a low quality food, you can build it up slowly as well, rather than just going straight to a really high, really rich kind of food. If you want to send me a link to that later, I'll put it in the description. Yeah. That's yeah. It's really fascinating. I mean, we, we kind of did a bit with uh, Lily's Kitchen. I don't know if you... Yeah, Lily's Kitchen's good, yeah. This is the thing about when people ask me about good brands, I'm like, all of a sudden I get a, a, like a, head, a, a brain blank and I can't think of any. But yeah, there is obviously loads of good brands and Lily's Kitchen is one of them. Yeah, I mean, we got... I mean, pretty much when I... We went into Waterstones when lockdown wasn't happening in that in-between bit and we saw there was a Lily ki- Lily's Kitchen cookbook and that's what I got. And I use that for inspiration quite a bit for the type of food that we want to kind of make her every now and again. But. Yeah. One thing that I would probably say is that making your own dog food is something that you should really seriously consider because um, lots of people want to move away from, people think kibble is like just processed crap. But I mean, the word processed in itself is like, it's seen as this bad word, but like if you cook your food, it's processed. It's just a process. It is, so, yeah. Yeah. It really depends on, unless you know, it depends what you're calling processed. And if a kibble is made from 100% meats and vegetables ground up and then dehydrated or cold pressed, then nothing about that processing is bad for a dog. Um, so I think, yeah, but some people move away from wanting to feed processed food and they think, oh, I'm going to go and go to Waitrose and buy you know, loads of really good meats and feed it to my dog, which is fine. But obviously there's a lot more to it, nutritionally balancing a dog's diet, especially with like a puppy or a young dog. So going for something like butternut box over making your own food is probably, unless you're going to do a serious amount of research and probably a qualification in dog nutrition, um, it's probably, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. I mean, we, we use tails because um, we were kind of recommended by a lot of friends and um, it was really good for a while, but then, um, I think she picked something up on a walk and got quite sick and then has got got that memory association with it and now she doesn't like the dry food anymore. Right. So we, we had to switch. Um, I can't remember what dry food we're using now. Wags, I think. Pooch and Mutt. Sorry, I just Pooch heard from Mutt. my... Yeah, yeah. they're another one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we had to switch but because I, I, I didn't realise that dogs could have that kind of association like we would occasionally give her scrambled eggs as like a treat as well just like plain scrambled mm. eggs no butter no salt or anything like that um which she loved as like a little treat just yeah. like yeah yeah sometimes they can have an association but sometimes they just go off things yeah. so it might be a coincidence that it was the timing but she may have just had an association yeah yeah dogs are funny like that it's quite a, a lot of people i think are finding when they're getting puppies because they want to feed them the best food. This is the other thing that is really important. I don't know if this podcast is really the place to talk about it, but is creating um, value for your dog, like creating a high value of food to your dog. So when people buy puppies and they feed them raw food from day one and they feed them out of a bowl, it just devalues food for the dog completely. And obviously if your dog's being given raw food out of a bowl, 
they're never going to take a training treat off you in a training session and work for it because they just don't, there's no value to it. Mm -hmm. So um, you need to make sure with a puppy from day one, when it comes to any food is that you're making sure that you're creating a healthy, valuable relationship with food. And you do that by feeding high value foods, but may always make your dog work for it. I think in an ideal world, nobody should ever, ever feed out of a bowl. Now I know that, you know, that's just kind of the culture that we live in. You feed your dog out of a bowl, but really you shouldn't ever feed your dog out of a bowl. Yeah. Well, I mean, we always give her lots of praise when she's eating just because of when, when she was a puppy, she was quite fussy. Well, she would have little bits and then come away and then keep mm-hmm. coming back. And we would just kind of give her lots of praise. And now if like, if I'm making a coffee and she's eating her food, she'll come up and make sure that she gets praise because she ate. Mm. But what, what would yeah. you recommend then for like, rather than having a bowl? Cause I've heard like new techniques of people just like, kind of scattering food is that yeah so scatter feed i think um it depends what you feed so my friend um got an a dog from the rspca um, a staffie called jeff in september and she literally has like the foolproof amazing routine with him so first of all routine is like one of the most important things um which sometimes especially in lockdown it's really hard to have with a dog is routine because you don't have a routine yourself but if your dog knows when it's getting fed and it gets used to being fed and eating at certain times it will just continue to do that so when you do, when you put food on the floor for example and then your dog doesn't eat it and it grazes all day it's got no routine it, it knows that the food's not going to take it be taken away like it just doesn't really care and then people after that will try will give it and then take it up but the damage is sometimes already done so what she does with him is she gets up first thing in the morning they go straight on a walk and she has she measures out his kibble allowance for the morning she takes it in a training treat pouch and then she trains him constantly on the walk with kibble so things like loose lead walking and checking in is something where like basically every time your dog looks at you on a walk is something that you really really want to um encourage because with any dog even the most well-behaved dog if your dog's used to checking in with you they might they they they're less likely to run off you're like you're more likely to get recall from them you're more likely to get focus back from them if they get distracted by like a squirrel or something like that if they're used to always checking in with you so basically every time he looks at her she gives him treats and when initially when she was loose lead walking him obviously she was using them for training she just uses him constantly for training throughout the first walk which not only exercises him physically also exercises him mentally which is one of the more more important actually really than exercising him physically um then when she gets home if he's got any left she scatter feeds it around the house so then he's like all over all the different rooms looking for her all around um he then pretty much has a nap for her morning of work. She, he then has a Kong at lunchtime. I think he has a licky mat in the afternoon with peanut butter on it about three o'clock. And then she does the same with his evening meal on a walk. So that's the perfect enrichment for him because yeah. he gets so much mental stimulation out of it. Food to him is really high value because it's always fed out of something. But Obviously, I know that not if that's not achievable necessarily for everybody. So I think one of the most important things is just buy Kongs, buy puzzle toys and buy licky mats and just feed your stuff. But yeah, scatter feeding is one of the easiest ways to feed a kibble diet, for example, because you can literally just scatter it in all the rooms in the downstairs of your house and your dog will keep occupied as well for half an hour or so. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping your dog like mentally stimulated. It's like us, like we need to be mentally stimulated all day. Otherwise we're just not going to cope very well. Exactly. And people, you know, when people go out and they, 
run they're like runners and they'll run 10 miles a day but how long does it take them to run 10 miles what do they then get home and then they're exhausted for the rest of the day and nap no are you more tired when you've been at work and you've sat in a chair all day and you've looked at computer all day and done mentally stimulating work like you are and that's exactly the same with animals and this is where people make the mistake because they're like i'm walking my dog for two three hours a day and it's like yeah you're all you're doing is getting your dog fitter but you're not teaching him anything and you're walking him on one of those dead tight halty leads and not letting him sniff anything he's just getting nothing out of anything yeah yeah i think yeah it's very important like humans need stimulation and sort of dogs as well not just walking yeah this is it um let's talk a bit about some of your products and your range yeah where did you start off with so where did where the idea come from like what was your first kind of project that you started working with so I wanted to create a variety treat box, basically, that would come through your um, come through your letterbox every single month that would be basically handpicked to your dog's preferences. And then every month you can then say, if your dog didn't like something, um, you can let us know and we change it and we won't send it to you again. Or if your dog does particularly like something, um, you can, um, we'll, set, we'll send it more often. So that was the basis of it. Now, obviously to do something like that, you need a huge product range. And this is where, when I was looking into all the licensing, I kind of fell foul of it because um, with the initial testing um, of all your homemade products, um, it's hundreds and hundreds of pounds per product line. So then, you know, to do something like that, you're going to have to have like a a wide variety of products, which then there was this big money um, uh, block in the way. So I just brought out our two kind of first product, which was liver brownies and hunter's chicken. And um, all our products are completely grain-free, all human-grade ingredients, obviously we're licensed. Um, and we try and make sure that our products aren't too high in fat, they're high in protein, um, a lot goes into them. And the, the fact that they're high value is like one of the most important things to us because we want most dogs to eat them, basically. Um, so yeah, we brought out those two. And liver brownies to this day are still are probably our most popular products because they are super high value. Um, Hunter's chicken we have discontinued just because of the um, lengthy process that it took to make it, but we've made, brought other treats out since then. So we started with those two um, and it was a bit of one of those things where like, obviously I had, a, I think a, pro- a product that I wanted, but I needed a lot more variety to do it. So I kind of just brought these two products out on a whim because I'd been working on it for a year. And I needed to get around it. Um, so we did like a lot of, um, we had our online store and we did a lot of events in the local area um, and we built that up and then then we brought out our vegan range. So our vegan range has a lot less um, kind of lab um, regulations around it from, um, so from a cost point of view, it's cheaper. Um, and our vegan range is where our birthday cakes came into it. So um, we brought out our initial birthday cakes, which looked so different to the ones that we brought out that we have out today. Um, so we started our birthday cakes and then we brought out our peanut butter bites and pumpkin pies. And prop, to be honest, our whole range now is pretty much built on those as a basis. Um, and our birthday cakes now, we have three different types of birthday cakes. The mini, which is probably our most popular um the standard and the premium and then we have um our peanut butter bites which are we have like breed biscuits where you can get biscuits that look like your dog personalized biscuits that's all our peanut butter bites dough recipe um and yeah they're all super so our peanut butter bites are literally um 
green free flour, banana and peanut butter. So they're like real simple. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we we bought a box uh, a couple of weeks ago from recording this. Um, and she went mad for those um, the brownies. Yeah. And it's really weird because they did somehow smell a little bit like brownie. Like yeah. they, they have like a kind of like chocolate. They Like if I just smelt it, I wouldn't have ever known that there was liver or anything else in there. Yeah, oh, really. I feel like they do quite smell like liver, especially when I'm baking them. Yeah, um, I think when you're baking them, there's probably a different kind of tone going on, but yeah. yeah no, they are. And I think um, I like the... Our, we kind of humanize our brand quite a lot so we like all our products to not kind of look or uh or not necessarily look but sound like they are like dog food um so our liver brownies are obviously a dog spin on the human brownie but yeah they are um the dogs they just go mad for them and they're great for pussy dogs and they're great for training because you can chop them up and stuff as well so they are really good base product those yeah and we we had some of the peanut butter uh, cookies as well i love the fact that like how how much of a range have you got of the cutters because like it the I, i'll put a picture up as well for people who are watching this because it does look like maka our dog so how yeah. how much how many different cutters have you got for different We've dogs got literally hundreds now so we basically um with our breed biscuits um they started actually from a PR package because we did a PR package for um, a couple of miniature dachshunds, which had loads of followers on Instagram. And we did them a birthday cake and we found these miniature dachshund cutters and they were so cute. And I was like, wow, imagine if we could get those for like other breeds. Um, and it basically just built from there. So now um, we have a massive range of lots of breeds, but then basically if anybody has a particular breed, that isn't listed say on our website they can message us and let us know and then we can try and source a cutter um for them i'm i'm hoping to get a place where we can do bespoke cutters but i'm not quite sure how that would work yeah if you had a, like a 3d printer or someone who had a 3d printer yeah. that could well, work the thing with it that is um i've had a couple from places that have 3d printers before and they just don't quite work in the right way. It's it's to do with um, our dough is very, very niche, let's say, um, that we make the biscuits out of. And you have to have a specific type of very, basically a specific type of cutter to use on it. So some, a lot of standard cutters don't really work that well with it. So, um, but yeah, we need to. Yeah, it looks like quite a firm dough. So I'm guessing you need more like a kind of cutter that kind of imprints better like the plastic is probably yeah. too thick i would guess for it to like yeah put into the dough. yeah it's it's a weird one <laughs> we're experimenting <laughs> on it all the time that's cool do you have like just one cutter and you have to cut them out individually or do you have like a stamp kind of cutter um we most of them are done with one um it depends it all depends on which one it is but yeah most of them are done with one we have some that are um big sheets that kind of you can cut loads out of but it, yeah it's all handmade and it does all take quite a lot. yeah i can imagine like i when i've made like little biscuits and stuff it takes forever and i i normally do kind of tiny stars or something it's just like nice little reward treats rather than i've done some big ones before but the reward ones they work really well when we go and take them off for walks and stuff yeah 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 the good ones so um let's I'm, I'm guessing you've got dogs yes um, but you've got like hundreds that. of lovely dogs on your instagram so uh yeah what yeah. What, are you, what dogs have you got 
Let me find my dog. Where is she? Cool. Missy, come here. Oh, yeah. Oh, good girl. So this is my dog. This oh. is Missy. She's a little shih tzu. Um, so I got Missy in December, uh, December 2019. Um, I got her on the 10th and I was actually fostering her initially. So I work, um, have worked with the RSPCA for a long time and I worked at a kennels um, where we house three of the kennels are rented out to the RSPCA. So we um, house the dogs basically while they're re rehabilitated and rehomed when they come in for whatever reason. And she came in, in very strange circumstances, um, where apparently she was given up, but she came in disgustingly filthy, has evidently had a lot of puppies. And with another entire male that apparently were just well-loved, family pets that they didn't have time for anymore. Now, in my opinion, you don't keep your well-loved family pets like that. Um, she was then spayed. She had a really traumatic spay. Um, and I think from overbreeding, she had a lot of issues inside. So she was really, really poorly. So I fostered her. It was only supposed to be a foster. <laughs> um, and then I just couldn't give her back. because She's so cute. She's, so she's very most cute. likely in a probably a puppy farm type environment and um, she's a beautiful shih tzu i don't know you can't probably really tell on this video but she's really petite and she's got a gorgeous face although oh, no, you're it's a bit flat because you've been sleeping on it haven't you? <laughs> um, but she's got really nice confirmation so she probably was bred from a lot yeah. Uh, yeah she's mine um and now i would have other dogs but she I think because she was so poorly and then she, I kind of, well, she obviously associates me with her getting better. She has this massive attachment to me now and she's not got separation anxiety or anything, but I just don't think she would be very happy if I got another dog. And so I think that I'll just keep her for now. Uh -huh. I might get another one at some point, but at the minute I just feel like she deserves my full attention because she's had a horrible life probably yeah oh that's cute yeah we um, keep we keep saying if we had a bigger place we would probably look at again another dog but our space just wouldn't allow having two yeah. dogs at the moment yeah and we have as well so i um when i used to live with my mom we got another one and he was from the rspca as well um so he's a little cavapoo called teddy so he does appear on my um a lot quite a lot of my like marketing photos and stuff he does appear on um so yeah he's my mom's dog Kind of my old dog, I guess, from when I lived at home. Um, but yeah, they're my dogs really at the minute. I really hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. And here is Maddie uh, with a little update of how she's been since we recorded the episode. Hey everyone, uh, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Um, oh my god, I've just noticed all my paint samples behind me on the wall. <laughs> I'm decorating my house and I can't decide on a warm grey. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I can't remember what we spoke about on the podcast now, but I hope you enjoy it. Loads of things have happened since then. Um, we've got a bakery and boutique open now, um, so that's really exciting. Um, we're having a full commercial kitchen put in the back of it as well, um, so hopefully next week or the week after so we can make even more cakes. Um, and yeah, we've got loads of new products launching, um, some really new, exciting stuff. So... 
Um, if you guys want to follow any of that, then make sure you follow our socials. Um, and obviously, if you have any questions for me, then just drop me a DM. Enjoy. Thank you, Maddie, for that little update. Uh, we now sit back into the conversation with uh, Maddie telling her origin story. So my um, story is that I was obsessed with animals since I was literally like came out of the womb. <laughs> um, I said my parents always laugh because dogs especially, but I was just obsessed with animals. And when I was about three, I think, when my parents bought me my first rabbit for Christmas and they were so excited to give it to me and they'd put the hutch in the lounge and obviously shut the door so I didn't know it was there and on Christmas morning we went into the um dining room and like opened all the presents and whatever and then they were like we've got and we've got this other present for you and I went in and apparently like I looked at this rabbit and I was so happy but within like about two seconds I said to my dad it is very nice daddy but when it dies can I have a dog <laughs> <laughs> Um, when I was literally like three years old so I was just absolutely obsessed so um yeah grew up I was quite academic at school and I horse rode from being young um never got a dog till I was like 20 I think it was or older um but I horse rode at school and but the thing is I wanted to do something that was kind of higher than minimum wage job and the problem with working with animals when you're working in kennels or stables or all the things that I did from when I, so I got my first job at Kennels when I was 13. Um, it's just not very well paid. So I kind of decided that I was going to go into an academic career and have animals on the side. Um, so I went to work with a company called KPMG, which is a big accounting company, um, and was going to be an accountant and then just didn't get on with it, didn't enjoy it, and thought I just need to do something else. So came out of that and ended up going back to my old riding school just because I was desperate for a job and I just rang around everywhere. Um, so went back there and then thought, right, how am I going to make some proper money with a proper career out of animals? And then that was where the Pushback Kitchen was born. Amazing. Yeah, I guess once you've kind of worked with animals, you don't really fancy working in a stuffy office. No. And, and I, I guess like working in with like charities and stuff the money kind of goes more towards the animals rather than the staff I'm, I'm hoping that's where the money was going towards more the animals than the the actual people yeah and i think um the, the thing i think what it is with animals is that the amount of time animals require for there's, there's you know when you work in like you say an office or something and you say you're an accountant and you're doing people's accounts and you can charge you know a lot for a bespoke service and that's how you kind of make the money whereas when it comes to animals it's really hard to make those margins because so much when you work at kennels for example you know so much time goes into caring for every single dog at the kennels you walk you feed you spend time with you clean constantly throughout the day but realistically, how much is somebody likely to actually pay to like board their dog at the kennels for example they're not going to pay a hundred pound a day Mm. um so that's why i think it's difficult to make those margins in those industries um and yeah with charities obviously th then it just goes money kind of goes out the window a bit because everything just goes to the animals so what i'm hoping really to do is to create obviously the brand that i said and a and a community where people well, basically a brand that people can trust um and i want to do more kind of educational stuff about food and choosing the right food and things like choosing the right dog trainer 
choosing doing the right habits from having a puppy knowing all that sort of stuff i'd like to create a center with a dog hotel but also with a big rescue center on site as well Um, the business can fund a lot of charity work we already did um i don't know if you saw we did the christmas pudding campaign at christmas yeah i think i saw that yeah so we make we basically sell christmas puddings that people can buy and then we make them and donate them to um dogs in rescue homes who don't have somebody to buy them a christmas pudding that's awesome that's so cool yeah that's, it's really it's, nice. yeah it's really nice of you kind of giving back to the kind of community of yeah. dogs and stuff that kind of and do. raising awareness around rescue as well because i think it's a bit of a taboo subject rescue because i wouldn't ever buy a puppy but i understand why a lot of people do but i think when you i think i just really want to encourage everyone to please look into rescue because it's not just aggressive staffies it really isn't and it's not and it's not it's not easy finding a rescue dog is like one thing that i think people think that when somebody says go go and get a rescue dog they think oh well yeah but it's so hard because I went to this rescue and they told me that I wasn't allowed to have this dog because I have kids and it's like yeah but there's did you just ring one rescue center or did you just look on the one RSPCA website or whatever there's there's hundreds of rescue centers in this country and my dogs I have a little shih tzu that weighs five kilograms and I have a cavapoo which is like the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life so both of them are brilliant with children um they're just lovely dogs and that is the sort of dog that you can get from a rescue center um i think when you've got young children that is like a big a big block a lot of rescues do struggle to rehome with young children but other than that there is just so many dogs in rescue centers that are looking for homes and they really are so appreciative this is part of the thing with her is i know how much she just loves me and she loves you know just having someone that she's never had in her life to cuddle her and this is why I don't want to get another dog because I feel like it wouldn't be very nice for her. Yeah. I mean, we we looked for probably uh, over a year or so. We've been constantly like checking out rescue sites. We did end up getting a puppy um, just because of the circumstances. Like we were quite close to getting a rescue. And I think one of the reasons why we went for a puppy was because it was going to be my first dog and it was during lockdown and we had some really bad experiences with kind of looking at adopting a puppy from someone who the guy turned out to be like, just trying to like scam us for money. And we still wanted to try and get the dog away from that guy, but it was kind of during lockdown. So we couldn't really go anywhere. And yeah, it just, it just kind of worked out that we, we got Mocha, which is our puppy. But I think if we do get another dog, we probably will look at, rescues a little bit more now that we've got a bit more experience we kind of wanted to make sure that we like fully equipped because like with a rescue there's more work and more effort like more you have to think about i think i this is so funny you say that because um i don't think there is (laughs) but obviously this is um just it's different people's perspectives as well and i know that some people have had bad experiences rehome and rescue dogs but i also know a whole load of people that have had bad experiences getting puppies um so but you just hear a lot less about that because the media yeah. like the way that people are i mean these dogs that i've got so the two that i got both were completely house trained from day one they're both good with other dogs they're fine to be left alone they're all there socializing and 
everything that you'd possibly need from day one was done. They didn't bite all the time like puppies do. They didn't chew the house up. I didn't have to toilet train any of them. Um, there was, to me, they are so, I, the thought of having a puppy, to me, just fills me with dread. I just think I can't, I couldn't with the whole, because they're like toddlers and you have to watch them all the time. And yeah. but also the other thing that does sort of play on me a bit is I've seen so many, when puppies are in their socializing period, for example, you end up with a dog. This happened to my my mum's, uh, my best friend's mum. Um, her um, dog got attacked when it was a puppy and now it's reactive. And she got it because she had a dog, uh, she had a job where she worked with dogs and she needed a puppy. And that's why she got a puppy because she wanted to make sure that it was okay with other dogs and now it's reactive. Yeah. <laughs> so really badly reactive as well. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's just probably your perception more than anything else. Yeah, but it was. It does think, depend because obviously, when you have a rescue that's like lots of these Romanian rescues who are terrified of mm, everything, yeah. the amount of work that goes into that is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, one of the other reasons why I think we led towards. I mean, we found um, the person who was kind of breeding the dogs. Like they were absolutely lovely. We they kind of showed us photos of they've got like a massive land and we knew that the dogs were treated well and also it was to be honest it was easier to convince our landlord because we're renting yeah to to get a puppy rather than a rescue because they didn't really want the property chewed up by a rescue i think that was the other kind of like decision that kind of helped us with getting our dog mm. um and like I, we love her like she's like the best thing that's kind of come into our lives really yeah. especially during lockdown it kind of helped us apart from like you know the first month or two where we couldn't go out because she was waiting for her vaccines and stuff but um yeah like she can be a handful but yeah we we love her you love them don't they when yeah. one of those when they they every all people have like funny personality traits don't they so <laughs> when dogs do it's just like we don't mind because we love them yeah, and like she, her toilet training, I think she maybe had like maybe five accidents. But the mm-hmm. five accidents that she kind of had were when we weren't paying super attention. Yeah. And it was it was our fault. It wasn't her fault. She kind of yeah. tried to tell us and then we just weren't quick enough getting her out. Um, but I, mean, I think we've been very lucky with her, but I know that some, some dogs can really struggle with toilet training and stuff yeah yeah it's just about consistency it's literally just what you just said then um when you watch them all the time it's actually not that difficult but lots of people don't or can't so then it becomes more difficult yeah it's easy when you pay attention you can see and hear the signs that they try and give you as well because they 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 are they are trying to talk to you yeah and they do sniff around and stuff like that don't they when they start needing to go yeah um so I kind of guess, have you got, an, are you working on a shop at the moment for your brand? Yeah. So um, we have a shop. Um, we aren't allowed to open at the minute because we sell dog treats, which are like a complimentary pet food. Um, however, we may be bringing out a complete pet food soon. Um, so as soon as we, can do that we will open and obviously the restrictions who knows when they're going to change um but it's given us a bit of time to kind of get it all sorted we were actually looking for some um because we've just done this home based and like there's just stuff all over all our houses so we needed some storage space more really than anything else and then um this little shop came up in this village where near where i live 
and it just seemed like the right thing and it's a really dog friendly village so yeah we'll be opening our bakery and boutique probably in probably about two weeks from now amazing so by, by the time people listen to this hopefully you will be open and yeah. established yeah probably yeah most likely that's exciting we opened it as a little we got the keys i think it was like the 18th of december and obviously i was like um obviously we'll open in january december is also our obviously our busiest time of year and i think the 18th i can't remember even now um but is the last posting date so we we'd kind of done our work and i just thought like why not open it as a pop-up shop we obviously Mm. had surplus products left because we way over buy for christmas because we sell so much stuff um so we had loads of products left and stuff and I just thought let's just open it as a pop-up we literally gave the whole place one lick of paint and put like a table up and yeah we did really well in five days we sold loads of stuff so yeah we did we have kind of opened for a bit and then obviously closed again and then um we'll open properly when everything's decorated and stuff that's so cool whereabouts is it based it's in Poynton if you know Poynton um it's near Stockport okay um so yeah it's on the main street of Poynton so yeah it's very exciting I'll put links down to your website and everything yeah when when it comes to it but that's really exciting and it's really exciting to hear that you're starting to bring out so are you starting to look at uh, like a dry food kind of kibble kind of thing or yeah so yeah it's a dry food the original one that we're bringing out is a 65 35 kibble um so it's not super super rich um We've got two recipes, divine duck and sumptuous salmon, I think, I think is what we end up with. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, I, we've, we've done, we've sent it off. So I think that those were what we decided to call them. Um, so they're kind of novel proteins. Um, dogs, they're kind of higher allergens, they're chicken and beef and food. So we've tried to stay away from those. Um, and obviously they're all grain free um, and full of kind of whole ingredients. So yeah it's very exciting. exciting yeah that's that's really cool and i'm I'm pretty sure that we will certainly try kind of what products you what you what you're bringing out as well yeah so. definitely and we're gonna get um we're gonna get it on all about dogfood.com as well so um obviously you'll be able to see its rating compared to other foods um and stuff so So we were just finishing the conversation there uh, and then we kept on talking after the kind of interview kind of portion. Um, But I kind of wanted to put this last little conversation in. See you back at the very end with a little bit more chat. See you in a bit. So I went to Morton Moral College for a bit. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, I was doing animal physio there. I took my horse to uni and everything. Really? How, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 26. 26. Okay. You, I, yeah, I was way past college. So yeah. Uh, Cause I'm turning 32 tomorrow. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow. Thank you. Um, I, so yeah, I did, I went to Leamington college, um, and oh, I, yeah. I did music technology. So there was occasions when, um, we would put on gigs and stuff over at Mortemoral. So yeah, I, cool. I have been there but only for like putting on gigs and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I went, um, when I left KPMG, I was working at a riding school and then I was like basically trying to think of, um, what, um, 
career with animals would make me money because like as kind of shallow as that sounds like I, be, I who doesn't want to be financially stable in life so like yeah. that's what I wanted so um animal physio is one of the things that I thought and I thought oh that would be really good but like having done did the course for a little bit I had a bit of a nightmare of a year as well um because I ended up losing my horse like it was an absolute nightmare um so it wasn't the best start anyway but um I think I'd realized that like rather than I didn't want to be an animal physio I just wanted to have my own business with animals so to do a degree in something that like it's quite niche and then what was that really going to bring me probably all I was going to do is set up my own business anyway so mm. I realized that like it probably wasn't so I started two degrees dropped out of both don't have a degree anymore but have a business that makes dog cakes so it's, it, I mean you've kind of won in the end haven't you really like yeah, yeah. I'm definitely where I was meant to, I'm meant to be now I mean hopefully at some point down the line um when we're not in lockdown I might be able to come and we might be able to come and check out your sh- shop. And- yeah, I would love that. I'm hoping to do loads of things like charity walks and stuff. Like once, obviously, COVID is gone, if that's ever going to happen, where we can all meet again. But, you know, where we can all meet at the shop, go for a nice walk, have little dog canapes. Amazing. Um, and stuff like that. So little events like that where if people are traveling, it's quite kind of like a worthwhile exciting thing for them to attend and obviously all money and stuff can go to charity so um yeah hopefully we'll be able to attend something like that Uh, i hope you all enjoyed that episode uh it was really fun talking to maddie and something a little bit different um i think if you've got a dog or you're planning on getting a dog soon i think that conversation would have been really good so little updates from me after this episode i have two more episodes of the podcast of season two coming out um and then I am hoping to record the odd episode here and there and edit it, but because I'm back at work full time, uh, I'm not gonna be able to record and edit a full season. So definitely make sure that you uh, are following me on whatever platform you're watching this or listening to this. Um, And hopefully I will be able to release the odd episode here and there. Yeah, as I kind of said in the beginning, um, we have had Mocha for a full year, which is, well, it's quite nice having this episode. We went over to uh, Coventry Farmer Market, uh, which was really, really nice. Had some good food. Um, it was quite nice to be out and about into a socially distanced market. It was really nice. Kind of makes me want to have a go at selling stuff in markets again. So hopefully, kind of more autumn, winter time, I might be able to get involved. So yeah, so I've been able to fix this uh, barbecue smoker, um, which is really exciting. Be able to cook some. Uh, so cook some meats in there, which I'm looking forward to over the weekend. Uh, I've also just bought a pizza oven, which we're going to have in the next few days, hopefully. We just paid for it and it should get delivered soon. And the other big news is uh, I got my first vaccine booked. So we're driving over to Birmingham to go and get my vaccine on Sunday. Um, so hopefully I'll be able to tell you how that goes. Yeah, but for now... Um, I hope you are having a great week, enjoying a bit of sun if you can. I will see you next Friday uh, with another episode uh, where I'll be talking to Tessa from T-Zines. So uh, make sure you check in for that. Right, uh, stay safe and uh, have a good one. Bye. I really hope I don't have to do the intro again. There's really loud around here.